you have any other suggestions about dealing with those weaknesses or issues in your cases? Well, I always put the client first. Everything that you do, make sure they understand what you do. When it's difficult, make sure they understand it's difficult. I most certainly will have exhausted questions I can ask my client about this particular piece of evidence, which is most unhelpful to our case, which it seems at present, at the prep stage, we can't shift. If the piece of evidence comes from a witness, find out if there's a motive for the witness having given that evidence, which is against your client. And it may be very quickly that you can discount it. Find out whether within the manner in which that witness produced the evidence, it may be that he's another colleague at work and it's part of a sentence. It's something within an email. You've got to do the paper trail about how the witness arrived at that piece of evidence. You have to get underneath it to decide for yourself. If there's no motive, why did he say it? Is it within his sphere of work that he could have said it? Is it actually an error? Well, you won't know that it's an error if you haven't understood why it went into the email. So you need your client's help to talk about that other person. He may not know that other person. So you may need a little bit of disclosure, perhaps, about what that person does. You might have to give some reason to the Crown as to why. You can say, well, it's relevant to an issue in the case. Those are all the things that you may not necessarily think you should be thinking that way. But there is a reason for why people say things. It may be because it's true and it's against your client and you're stuffed. But in order to ensure that you can give the bad news with some confidence and integrity that I'm sorry, but this is not movable. And if you don't have an explanation for it, I've looked around it in a 360 degree angle and there's nothing further for us to do. You simply challenge it in the best way that you can challenge it with a few lead up questions so it doesn't look so blunt. But there are bad facts, difficult facts, which often you cannot challenge. But it means that you have some lead way to explain to your client that there must be an explanation. And if you don't have an explanation, and if it is a fundamentally central point against you, you have to think about the merits of your case, whatever your subject matter is. I have a quote from Robert Bennett, who is an American criminal defence attorney and a crisis manager. And a bit of trivia, he's also represented President Bill Clinton at one stage. And what he says is, you've got to put 20 minutes of every hour of preparation by standing in the other guy's shoes. How long do you spend looking at these weaknesses or issues in your case? Well, I think that quote is absolutely correct. And I think in at least one or two things I've said, that's clearly the way I approach my work. I think it's a good guide, the 20 minutes of every hour. I'm not so sure necessarily that's how it breaks up because we all have different methods. I think I tend to prepare, understanding what my client's issues are and why there's a challenge to that evidence. I then, having got to the stage where I now need to design my cross-examination point, I say to myself, well, why did he say what he did? 
Why did he do what he did? That's when I step into the shoes of that witness, asking as much as I can about who he is, what he does and how he does it. Where does he come from? When you're going to cross-examine a police officer, you know what police officers do. You know what they did in relation to that part of the case. Where was he when he did it? Why did he do it? So that gives you an understanding of what he does. Was it inside his duty to do it or was it not? If it's a freestanding civilian person, you do have to go to where they stood. Was it next to a traffic light? Go to the traffic light. Turn to the left. Oh, right. That's why he said what he said. Because it suddenly comes to light when you walk to the scene and you go to where he stood. I don't go to every scene, but if it's a moving piece of activity that ends up to be a crime, you must go there and move in the similar direction of the crime. Because the identity witnesses will have a view. And you need to understand the view. When you cross-examine in the blind, you are not as effective. So going to views are hugely important. And that goes back to your quote, stand in the footsteps of that person. So go to the scene of the crime. Or at least imagine it. Thank God for Google Map. We can now zoom into the exact street in case you've got to isolate and you can't go out. But it's always better to go out because you get the real sense and sight of the buildings and distance. And even on Google, that can be deceptive. So I take that quote as being an excellent one and I move it on to physically what you should do and the things that you should never not do, never not go to the scene of the crime, if your client was there when it happened and there are identifying witnesses who are in a house five steps up the road, you've got to walk past that house and stop and then realise, good heavens, it's immensely shorter than the photograph that was taken. Thank you for listening to the Advocacy Podcast, Journeys to Excellence. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and visit us at theadvocacypodcast.com for reading lists and other resources. Until next time.